Hello and welcome to Software Tech Talks. I'm Zoe Cunningham. Today, I am delighted to welcome Sonna and Adam onto the show. Sonna and Adam, can I ask you to introduce yourselves, tell us what you do at Software, and also an interesting fact about yourself. Hi, I'm Adam. I'm a project manager at Software. And an interesting fact is I took six months out last year to travel around South America, Australia, and Southeast Asia. Oh, that is exciting. What was your favorite place? Oh, too many to name. A highlight particularly was seeing the New Year fireworks in Sydney with family over the Sydney Harbour Bridge. That was incredible. Oh, lovely. And Sona? Since we're on the topic of travel, I think I can go one up on you, Adam. I was a former uh, travel journalist in a former life and I got some great press trips. So I got to travel to Sri Lanka, Greece, Malta for free and it was fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. I'm super jealous. And what do you do now at Software, Sona? So at Software, I'm a senior product manager. In today's episode, we're going to talk about different ways of prioritizing features. The difference between success and failure for a piece of software is determined by the detail of the features that are developed and, of course, when they're brought to the market. Management of technical teams has always focused on how fast they can go. But as David Henry Thoreau said, It's not enough to be busy, so are the ants. The question is, what are we busy about? So it's not enough for a technical team to be going fast. It's also important what we're making fast. (laughs) So this seems to me actually quite uncontroversial as a position. So why is prioritisation something that teams find so difficult? I think it's a really difficult challenge because there are so many different factors involved. When you're prioritizing what to build next, you're trying to decide what are our, what are our users going to love next? What can we build that's going to delight our users and draw them to this product? But you're also wondering what's technically feasible? How quickly can we build things? What's the best balance between how much effort it's going to take to build something versus how much people are going to love it. There's lots of risk and uncertainty in how long things will take to build, how complicated the design process will be, whether it aligns with your business goals. So there's so many different factors you have to take into account. And it's really hard to know to score things against all those different factors. There's a lot of uncertainty against all of those factors. And there's a lot of different people involved as well. And inevitably, they'll all have different opinions. So they'll be, as well as thinking about your users directly, there'll always be a lot of internal stakeholders involved at all different levels of your organization. And it's a process that you have to involve lots of different people in. Mm, So it's very complex. (laughs) Absolutely. Does that mean, in fact, it's not worth the effort and we could just leave it and we'll work out prioritization as we go? Does that work? So I think I would say it's it's impossible to not do any prioritization because you will end up I mean, there are so many um, different things to to act on and so many sort of ideas and problems coming at you from all over the place that you will end up tackling something. So you will inevitably do some prioritization. I think the question is whether you do it well and whether you do it consciously and with purpose. And so if, if you don't do any prioritization or if you don't do prioritization well and consciously, you will just end up stagnating. You'll end up praying and praying, you know, where you just kind of, <laughs> 
and choose a, randomly choosing something, which will mean that you end up wasting resources. You can end up building features without even knowing what users will like or what, what they need. And you'll just end up doing things pretty badly. Right. It's difficult and complex, but you have to do it. You have to bite the bullet and get on with prioritizing somehow. So what are the different areas, the different kind of factors that you can prioritize across? Because there's different ways of prioritizing, right? So one model that I quite like as a way of thinking about the main different factors involved in prioritizing is called RICE scoring. So you think about R-I-C-E, that's the reach, the impact and confidence and effort of a particular feature. So the reach is how many people are actually going to use this feature? Is it going to touch your entire user base? Or if it's just a small edge case off one particular corner of a journey that lots of users won't ever see at all, then that makes it less important to think about. The impact is about how much difference it makes to the people that use it. So it might be that it touches lots and lots and lots of users, but it makes a really, really marginal difference to them. And it's not actually that important. The C for confidence is about how sure are you about those things? Can you be confident that it will definitely have that impact on users? What can you do to, what research can you do to be more confident in those things? And then E is about the effort. How much effort is it going to take to make this, both in terms of design, technical feasibility? Is it worth the effort for the impact it's going to have? I quite like that as a model for summarizing some of the main factors involved in prioritizing. And so the idea is that this is kind of a trade-off. So something could have a big reach, but a low impact over this big reach, or it could have a really high impact, but only for a few users. And so you're having to kind of trade them off against each other. Absolutely. And one of the really, really hard things is that the answers to each of those questions will often be really, really uncertain. It's often really hard to know what the impact is going to be. Say, So one of the key things in prioritizing is working out how can you find the answers to those questions as cheaply as possible. So the most kind of exhaustive way you could find the answer to those things would be to build the feature. And then once you've built it, and if you put it in production, then you'll be able to see the data and see exactly how many people are using it. And you can see how it impacts your conversion. But that's like the most expensive possible way of doing your prioritization. And that's what you'll end up doing by default if you don't do any prioritization. So the aim, I guess, is to try and find the answer to those things more cheaply, whether it's by building a small prototype of something or doing some designs and testing your designs to see if users like it and it resonates with them. Right. And of course, we're trying to prioritize in order to decide what order to build the features in. So we're kind of not solving the problem if we have to build the whole feature. Exactly. (laughs) In order to do it. What other factors are there? I think there are there are some general kind of factors as well. So rice is a really well-defined model, but you can also prioritize against things like urgency versus importance, value versus effort. I think these are kind of less specific, more general versions of, of um, the factors that rice describes. And I think for me, I, I think that ultimately all the kind of factors that you prioritize features against will will probably fall under the three core areas of product management. So factors that are related to, to user needs and the user experience, factors that are about technical feasibility. So things like what is the complexity of this of building this feature? How much tech debt is it going to create? And are we comfortable with that? What are the limitations of the current technologies that, that the product is using? And then the third bucket would be around business value, which I think includes things like impact, but things like, you know, resourcing and alignment to the long term strategy of the product or the company and the ability of a feature to move conversion or usage metrics like I think that's that's impact, really. But so, yeah, those three kind of areas are probably what all your variables will fall into in some way. 
Yeah, and you kind of ideally want it to be high on everything. And I suppose perhaps sometimes there you do get features that are high on everything and you're like, brilliant, we'll do this one. But I can kind of get this feel for the complexity of it and what kind of difficult challenge it is. And I really feel I want to say, but what's the answer? Tell me what the answer is. <laughs> tell, me, tell me how I can just make sure I always prioritize everything really, really well and I build the right thing. But it's quite clearly not that simple. So what? how do you two both do this like in your day-to-day job? Like what are your favorite techniques for prioritizing what you build? I mean, I think I think there are so many different tools and techniques out there for prioritization. And I think it really depends on the type of product, what stage you are in the development of that product. So, you know, you might be at a stage where you've got high levels of uncertainty and like no data, um, in which case you might want to choose certain techniques and, and, you know, or you might be at a stage where, you know, it's a really well-established product, but there's still prioritization to do because there are so many possible routes that you can go down. But some of the ones that I've used quite successfully, so I think Moscow is is definitely, so uh, must, should, could, and won't. Um, and I think that's a really good framework for um, teams to come together and, and use those factors. And, and I think each of them have a set definition against which the team can score a particular feature. Um, and I like the fact that it's got a won't. So it really helps you scope and, you know, clearly states what you will not absolutely build under any circumstances. So, or at least <laughs> not now. And that's really important. I've used another technique called buy a feature or, or another, another word, another name for it is spend 100 pennies. So in a previous role, um, we were building not technical products, but products that were based on uh, insights and advisory services. And we had to choose a, a big challenge that our clients were facing to spend six months doing a deep dive into. And so there were a number of different problems that we could try and attack. But the way we would try and drill down is we would ask our customers if they had to spend 100 pennies across these three topics or five topics, how would they do that? And that gives you a clear kind of scoring or a metric that comes directly from your customers that basically gets them to do the prioritization and then gives you that information that you can then use. So that's an interesting one. I think Adam must have used others. I really like that spend 100 pennies idea because it's really gets to the core of what's going on when you're making these prioritization decisions, which is you've got limited resources and you've got to say no to some things. And as you say, you're putting effectively putting that difficult challenge in the hands of your customers. Mm. Another technique that I really like, I think it's especially valuable at the very early stages of a new product when you're building something new from scratch, maybe building a journey for the first time, as opposed to when you're iterating on something that exists so when you're building something for the first time you probably don't have a lot of data going on and it's important to i think to build an end-to-end journey as quickly as possible so you can start getting something that works you're de-risking the technical risk and you can start testing something real with users as soon as possible so a technique i really like for this stage is called user story mapping this is a really great visual tool it's based around the idea of 2d map of your user stories so along the horizontal axis you've got the elements or the stages of your user journey so for instance in an e-commerce product or something it might be that you start off with a product search then you go through adding products to a basket then you go through a payment and checkout those would be mapped out horizontally along the top of your user story map and then vertically under each one you've got increasing levels of complexity so for instance under the product search it might be that you start off just seeing a list of all products then you add in a simple search then you make the search more and more complex you add more and more complex filtering and things like that so i think this is a really great way of helping you 
prioritize to get an end-to-end working version of a journey. So in that e-commerce example, it might be that it's very easy to get bogged down in the complicated searching and filtering, but actually looking at it this way forces you to realize that that's not going to be any use unless you've got the payment part of your journey working and it helps you start with a really really simple version of each bit of the journey and get a journey that works all the way through end to end and then gradually add complexity to each different bit of the journey at roughly the same rate yeah brilliant and i'm guessing it's also laying it out so you are deciding where to prioritize your energy and efforts within the journey so actually like you say you could accidentally end up prioritizing one part whereas when you see it all laid out end to end you might go actually this is the key part of the journey this is where they either become clients for life or or leave us and never come back that's where we want to invest even if we can make this bit lovely and complicated and fun to use this is where we have to prioritize absolutely it's a really great visual tool when you see stories mapped out like that it's very easy to see when you're inadvertently creating a spike or cluster in a particular bit of the journey that you didn't mean to spend so much effort on and it's a great communication tool as well it's something that's great to put up on a whiteboard full of post-it notes of stories mapped out and it really really sparks conversations incredible so all of these techniques rely on knowing various facts about the different features that you want to build which as you said earlier Adam you have a varying level of confidence in these pieces of information you have but what actually if you don't have any data what do you do then you're still going to have to make decisions if you don't have data so how do you go about deciding what to do then yeah I think I think this is um, a typical scenario in kind of like startup environments. Yeah, when you're conceiving a completely new new product, and I think some of the principles that I've seen work quite well are prioritizing what's going to give you the most confidence and what's going to give you the most data. And so you might want to take a bit more of an experimental approach there. And I guess that's another factor by which you can prioritize in that early stage where you don't really have much data to say which feature is going to be give you the most value or give the user the most value. I think the other thing is around um, OKRs, so objectives and key results. So this this is a a goal setting framework or a performance framework, if you like. So how you know that your product is successful. And so it requires a bit of prioritization in and of itself to develop. Like what is your big inspiring objective that your team is working towards? And then what are the results that you're going to prioritize? Or what are the metrics you're going to prioritize to show that you're getting there? So it is a bit of a prioritization exercise in, in and of itself to get to the right OKRs. But I've found that once they're set, and once the team agrees with them and is brought into them, it can be a really successful and effective prioritization tool in that it helps the team focus their activities and efforts. And if there are kind of requests coming in from stakeholders or problems that have emerged from, from some user feedback, if that particular problem or solving that problem is not going to get you closer to meeting your OKRs, then you can just say, nope, we're not going to going to uh, put any investment in that right now so it's a really great way to help the team focus on the right things I think in the very early stages of a product where where you've got a lot of uncertainty it might sound a bit radical and, and maybe might not work in every environment but I think it's a good idea to actually think about what your team is going to be excited and enthusiastic to work on because a happy and enthusiastic development team that is inspired and feeling good about what they're building is actually really important for innovation. So in the absence of all data and the absence of like, you know, anything else, I think team team health and team happiness is actually a really 
interesting way to prioritise what you work on. I think that's a fabulous idea. I'm all behind that. And actually, it's something that I recommend to individuals when they're kind of trying to work out what to prioritise in their life or in their career. You know, at the end of the day, we all only get to live once. And if we can all spend our time doing things that we really enjoy, it just works better for human beings. Like you say, you get better results from human beings when they're having an amazing time doing something. Yeah, exactly. And this is all about problem solving, you know, and, and we'll problem solve better if we're if we're happy and excited about what we're doing. So yeah, absolutely agree. Agree. Great. So who do you need to bring into these decisions? We've kind of talked about the fact that it, it needs to be done. But who who are the different groups of people you need to bring on board? I think this is something where cross-functional product team working together well is really important. So I think you should be involving in your prioritization decisions, lots of different specialisms, your developers, especially elite developer, designers, UX designers and visual designers, a user researcher, product managers. Potentially, there are all kinds of external stakeholders across a business that you might need to include. You might need to include your marketing team there might be various kind of business and operational teams there might be other strategic priorities within the organization that you need to align to in terms of timelines whether or not to involve really senior stakeholders in prioritization is a is a tricky one sometimes it's great to try and get buy-in early on around the ideas you're having but at the same time it can often be the case that senior stakeholders have their own kind of pet project and you can end up with your prioritization derailed slightly and ending up kind of just following the CEO's pet project. That can be a really difficult situation. I would I would always vote to leave stakeholders out if you can. <laughs> but again, <laughs> um, that might not work in all environments. And I think it's if you're in a client-facing environment, it can be quite good to involve clients in the prioritization exercise as well. Well, one of the things I was going to say is that that's actually quite a large number of people. And definitely in my experience, the more people you have in a meeting, the less, well, the kind of more unwieldy it gets in terms of making decisions and coming to agreements. So do you either of you have any kind of frameworks for who you invite to what or how you manage a high level meeting that has lots of people? Do you prepare something first? Is it a case of maybe you prepare pair of prioritization and then you get the really senior stakeholders to just sign it off rather than involving them in all the discussions i think there are some situations where you might want to open an early stage to a really broad group especially if you want to build buy-in and you want to get lots of different people to feel like they're involved and that they helped invent this then it can be great to have quite a broad workshop to start with to generate ideas and there are some really nice generative techniques where you get lots of different people involved in a workshop and get them to input their ideas on prioritization then you can maybe take the core product team of developers designers and the product manager away to digest those outputs from that session come up with a kind of consolidated plan and then present that back to a wider group is a nice way of giving lots of people input early on but then ensuring that the actual decision making process isn't totally derailed by having too many different people involved yeah i think that's right and again i think it really depends on the the kind of environment or company you're working in i think where product teams are given the freedom to sort of be ring-fenced and, and, you know, are trusted to sort of make the decisions themselves. They can have the sort of liberty of, you know, doing that prioritisation without 
stakeholder influence per se and then you know just sharing the the prioritization outputs with stakeholders and getting feedback but I think where maybe you've got more traditional environments where you know corporate innovation is a sort of new thing or product development is a new thing then yeah absolutely I think it it can be quite powerful to involve stakeholders from the start. And how about getting the users involved in prioritization is this just something that you will be doing through the user researchers who have spoken to or through kind of user feedback platforms where you can then kind of correlate group together the feedback and feed that in i think there are some ways in which you inevitably get your users involved so if you're taking a more quantitative approach to prioritization then quite likely you're going to be looking at the analytics of a live product working out what the volumes of users are like through different bits of your product. And in a way, you're taking the user's behavior, you're counting and analyzing the user's behavior and using that to feed into your prioritization. I guess that's just one way of taking input from users, which is something you should definitely be doing as much as possible. Other ways are exactly as you described, Zoe, looking looking at the research process. So it might be that you mock up some very quick low fidelity ideas of a few different features and then put them in front of some users and then use that research process to reveal the user's preferences about which are the most delightful features to them. Yeah, that's such a great point, though, because actually we all know there's a difference between what people say they want and what they actually want. And so where you can use their actual behavior in using your product, obviously that's much better data. That's so true. Almost invariably, if you design a feature and put it front to, put it in front of a user, especially if you've you're giving them an incentive, you've paid them to come into a research session saying, "I want to do some research with you about feature X," and then you put feature X in front of them and say, "Do you like feature X?" Then inevitably, almost everyone is going to say, "Yeah, it looks great." So that's not necessarily a helpful way of doing research. It's much more important, as you say, to do something that actually gets the user to reveal their thinking. Um, and reveal what they really want rather than just asking the question do you like this or not yeah and, and not just not just what they really want but what they're willing to pay for as well I think that's another element that that, that hundred pennies exercise can really help with actually fantastic thank you so much Adam and Sonna this has been a really insightful chat about the challenges of prioritization and some potential solutions and ways to deal with it To find out more about how Softwire can help you with prioritization, you can check out our website at www.softwire.com or get in touch with me at zoe.cunningham at softwire.com. Join us next time on Softwire Tech Talks.